he's ever been. Can you hear me? Hey, there I am. Good morning. <laughs> um, that's a great picture of uh, one of the qualities it takes to be an, uh, a legendary team. We're going to be looking at this over the next several weeks. Um, today we're going to look at how being cohesive allows you to accomplish legendary things. That was easy, company. Uh, those guys didn't really have to run with them, but you saw the pick-me-up that came as he noticed them alongside of him as he was being disciplined for something that was possibly ridiculous. There, there's no, no telling. I can't remember exactly. I've seen that that series, but I can't remember why, but he was having to run, and the guys came alongside him and really picked him up. Um, life happens in groups. You're born into a family. You're born into a group of people, and as you get into Scripture, you find out that God wants even that group to be a team. He wants the family to accomplish some things and to do some things. Um, you get into Scripture, you find out that the ideal dad leads his family to fulfill a purpose, and that's, that's what God wants. I'm, I'm the baby of my family, and I thought the purpose of my family was to meet every need I ever thought I needed to have or wanted to have. And so uh, from that moment forward, I've been trying to learn to turn my heart inside out to look toward others and to be a good part of a team that God's put me in. When you come to Christ, when you decide to follow him as Lord, you're put into a family, a, a church family. Uh, the, the body of Christ, there's, that's the picture, that you're put into the body and you're connected to other Christians, both uh, throughout the world and particularly in a local church. You're, you're put into this family and you are to serve and to play your role as a part of the team. As you do that, as you do that well, you find out that life is good. The, the, comp, the purpose gets accomplished, things go well. Um, the, the church is a team that God brings together to accomplish a, a mission and a purpose. He wants, he wants to use us to uh, get some things done, what he's doing in the world. He, he somehow has allowed us to have the privilege of, of doing that. You go to work, you're a part of a team. Uh, you live in a neighborhood, and the neighborhood, you can contribute to the team of the neighborhood by being a good neighbor, that, that really helps. It holds property values and, and things like that by keeping your, your part of the deal by taking care of your house. Um, in this series, we're going to be looking at the characteristics of legendary teams. My brother-in-law was uh, an army officer for 27, 28 years, and one time he showed me a paper that he studied in war college, and it was a paper on high-performing units in the Army. And it was interesting how all of the units, no matter where they were stationed throughout the world, they had similar characteristics. Those characteristics that those high-performing units had are found in the Scripture. Same, same characteristics. And so we're going to be digging in, and in this series we're going to look at 
four qualities that characterize legendary teams. You, you see them across the board. You see them in the military. You see them on sports teams. You see them at, at work. Businesses that really accomplish a lot exhibit these characteristics. In churches and in families, you see these characteristics. Today we're looking at cohesion, which means sticking together tightly. That's what those guys were doing on the video. You know, they're, they're their fellow soldier was running alone, and they came alongside him. This is a quality of teams that do legendary things. And, you know, Jesus had a team that was legendary, his 12 disciples. He, he spent three years with them, building into them, training them, helping them become a team. And they started a movement that has rocked the world over the last 2,000 years. But even on his legendary team, there was one guy who peeled off. You know, there, there are many forces that pull people apart. And as you try to be a part of the group, as you try to serve on a team, there are a lot of things that potentially can pull us apart. Even Jesus had a team member that flaked out. So what we're going to do today is we want to look at some qualities that add to cohesiveness, how important it is, first of all, and then some qualities that add to it. Because you, you can almost always find an excuse to pull away from the team or the group that you're a part of. There's always a tendency to do that, and no group is perfect. Jesus' team leader was perfect, but the group wasn't perfect. He, he's the only, that's the only team that had a perfect team leader. You know, no team leader is perfect. No group is perfect. There are always plenty of reasons to bail out and to pull away from the team. So we're going to look today at how important it is to pull together and to stick together when you're a part of a team, to refuse to cave into the forces that want to cause the thing to unravel and fall apart. In, in the pressure cooker of working together toward a common goal, Teams that accomplish great things stick together. And God wants us here at Church in the Valley, he wants us to accomplish great things. He wants us to be a legendary team. And Alex was mentioning discovering CIV. These four qualities that we're looking at, uh, we talk about them just briefly in the discovering CIV class because this is what we're shooting for. We're aiming to be a team of people, a group of people that really accomplish things for God that he wants to do through us. And he doesn't just want them to be ordinary, run-of-the-mill stuff. He, he, wants, he wants to use us for tremendous things. I'd, I'd like to see him to continue growing the group here and then planting churches through the area that, that God can bless more and more people through. We've seen that happen in the last year through Orange Crest out in Riverside. And uh, I, I want to see that more and more. That's not normal. It's not normal for a church to peel a group of people off or a team of people off and then make the sacrifices that they've made in order to launch that congregation out there. But I, I want to see God do that kind of thing through us more and more over the years. So cohesiveness is a part of that. And Jesus understood this. Jesus placed a high value on unity. In John 17, you find his prayer 
It was the prayer he prayed just before he died and went on into heaven after several days. But in this prayer, you find out how important unity, cohesiveness is to him and to the people. And he spends time, a good amount of time, in this prayer praying about it. Look at what he prayed. My prayer is not for them alone, not for the 12 disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. This is on Jesus' heart. This is what he's concerned about. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When a group of people come together to accomplish a purpose, there's, there's something very powerful at the heart of that. Very, very powerful. In fact, look at what Jesus prayed. He prayed that we'd be unified so that others would believe that Jesus was from God. He also prayed that so that uh, his identity would be validated. I mean, there, unity is a very, very important thing. That's why we place such a high value on unity here at, at Church in the Valley. In fact, one of the things, this is a special day. A lot of you guys are here. Some of you are here early because you're going to help with the softball tourney later on. But one of the things that goes on as we do special events, I remember back to the 20th anniversary we had tons of people. Well, okay, tons. That might be an exaggeration, but we had a bunch of people. <laughs> I think a bunch is, is right. We had a bunch of people working together for the common goal. The goal that day was to honor and glorify God for the 20 years of, of, of work that he had accomplished here through us. And as people come around that, we had several guests that day, as people come around that and they see people working together like that for the common goal, that's unusual. That is not normal. Most groups don't work like that. They pull apart. And so God is glorified and people are drawn to him. That's what happened that day. I had several friends here celebrating with us and they all they commented. A few of them commented at how well the group worked together. And that's We'll see that today as, as we pitch in to accomplish something, play softball, uh, but really to, to have a good time and invite guests and bring them along with us. Um, and then to eat really good barbecue, that's one of the goals today as well. But as, as we work together to accomplish our goal, God is honored by that. The unity has a power to it that that really brings glory to him. And it's very, very important to God. Real unity is so rare, it draws people to him, to God. Its characteristics, show, it shows that God is at the center of the operation, and it draws others to believe in him. You know, complaining and arguing, that's, that's normal in our world. But if you don't do that, it, the scripture says you shine like a star against the dark sky in the universe. Just, just by refusing to complain and argue and grumble and murmur, whatever you want to call it, just holding back on that makes you different. 
And so unity is very, very important. We, we encourage you, if you're new to CIV, I would encourage you to get to know us. We're not, you know, we, we, we like you, you to take your time uh, before you decide to jump in. But, but one of the things after you decide to sign on to membership, we want you to commit to praying for unity in the church and working toward it. And it's, it takes an effort. It's not easy. Because there are a lot of forces that want to unravel the group, to pull it apart. But unity is very, very important. One of the reasons is because cooperation in life is essential. It's an essential part of life. Sometimes we have this idea of self-made people in our society, but that's, that's a myth. That, that is not true. There's no way that's going to happen. But because cooperation is essential across the board in life, and especially in church life. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. You saw the pick-me-up on the video when the guy showed up. Cooperation multiplies effort. It multiplies the impact of the effort that you can have in whatever you're doing. And in fact, people who isolate themselves, they go weird. You know, think, think about people who tend to hermit themselves or isolate themselves. Sometimes you'll see stories about them on, on TV. They, they tend to go weird. Proverbs 18.1, this isn't in your outline. It's not going to be on the screen. But it says, an unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound judgment. The Hebrew word that this was originally written in for sound judgment means the ability to take a plan or an idea and turn it into reality. An unfriendly man can't do that. A person who isolates themselves cannot make that happen. It's a group of people that makes things happen. That's, that's how things move forward. At CIV, we value godly cohesion. There, there is an ungodly cohesion. Gangs stick together, but they stick together around the wrong things. We, we value a godly cohesion. So here are some characteristics of a godly cohesion. It takes a lot of effort. There, these, are, these are four characteristics that they all require a serious choice to do. So we're going to look at these things. To be loyal to trust others, to think the best, and to help each other. Refusing this first characteristic, refusing to be loyal, is like packing dynamite in the group. It's, it's a very, very important quality. It, it's going, if, you're, if you're being disloyal, then you're packing dynamite and it's going to blow at some point. It is going to blow the thing apart. Either you're going to spin off or blow up or, or the group is. If, if the leader's wise, he'll, he'll deal with it in a way that doesn't allow your disloyalty to affect the group, but it, it affects it. So this first quality, this first characteristic is loyalty. Proverbs 18:24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, all, all teams need a captain or a leader. Uh, I, I was actually on a team trying to plant a church one time, and there were four of us who were equal, had equal amounts of responsibility and leadership. 
And that just meant that we passed the hot potato of responsibility. You do it. No, you do it. I do it. No, you do it. I don't want to do it. So that's, that's kind of how it happened. But all teams need a captain. On, on a football team, you have a quarterback. But that leader needs to set his heart to, to uh, make decisions and conduct himself in a way that the mission, the goal that the group's trying to accomplish, the team that is trying to accomplish is first, the welfare of the group is second, and then his own welfare is last. If, if, you, if you flip those, if, if a leader starts putting his own welfare first above the others, what happens? Boy, the group begins to fall apart. In fact, if, you're, if you are the quarterback of a football team, what will happen is the big lineman will let the, the, the big, huge linebacker through. Oh, I don't know. He slipped. Quarterback gets taken out. That's what happens. You you gotta you gotta take care of your people. You gotta set your heart on the mission. This, this is why military academies have the honor code. I will not lie, cheat, or steal, or cover for those who do. Because the reason they have that honor code is because they're building leaders. They're 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 training up leaders who are going to lead groups of people, and the welfare of the group is above any one person. And so leaders need to understand that. This is very, very key to, to cohesion, is that leaders understand the importance of loyalty. There are limits to loyalty. Uh, we're committed to God first, and then the whole group. And so what that means is we're not loyal to the group if the group decides to do wrong. We're, we're not loyal to those who do wrong. So there are limits, but as we're, that's usually not our problem when it comes to disloyalty. That's usually not what we struggle with. One key thing for followers to show loyalty in a group is to refuse to grumble and complain against the leadership. Very, very normal in our world to do that. Uh, you know, above the passage I read earlier, Jesus pointed out the importance of unity. And then God showed his concern for unity and loyalty in a very dramatic way in an incident. One of the legendary teams in Scripture, there were several. One of them was Moses, his brother Aaron, and his sister Miriam. They were brother and sister team. I bet that was tough. <laughs> but um, I know that Miriam was, was Moses' older sister. We're not sure where Aaron fits into the spectrum, but... At one point in Numbers 12, you can read the story and find out what happens, but Marian, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses, it says. And at that point, God stepped in because Moses was a leader God had put in place. And so he stepped in and he did something very dramatic that everyone in the group, all the Israelites realized, God's taken this seriously. Because Miriam and Aaron went lateral with their concerns. They didn't go to Moses. If you have concerns, loyalty doesn't mean that you have to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you have to do everything and blindly agree with the leadership. But what it means is your investment on the team, if you have a concern about the direction or about a decision, 
your investment means you go to the leader. You go to the one who could be a part of the solution, not to everybody else. Because as you go to everyone else, you're sowing discord. And you're, you're packing dynamite in the group that's going to blow. And God takes that very, very seriously. In fact, in Titus, uh, God says, to warn a divisive person. This is how important cohesion is to God. Warn a divisive person once, warn them twice, and then have nothing to do with them. Cohesion is very, very important to God. Unity has a very high value to him. Second characteristic is to trust. It's a characteristic of legendary teams. If you don't choose to trust others, then... Thought by thought and choice by choice, as you relate to them, you're, you're building a wall between you. And this is true about uh, the, the, the next characteristics we're looking at, uh, thinking the best and helping out. If you hold back on these things, if you hold back trust, if you hold back thinking the best, if you decide to think the worst, or if you, if you don't help out, what you're doing is you're, just, you're, you're, you're a bricklayer or you're laying a block wall and Choice by choice and thought by thought, you're laying the brick or the block. And you're building this wall and you're beginning to isolate yourself from the group. And so it's very, very important to trust. Trust always involves risk. It it is not easy to trust people around you. Some of us have backgrounds that make it harder to trust. I mean, it's really hard sometimes to trust people. But the way trust works, it's something that has to be given. It cannot be earned. If you've had the idea, I'm just going to wait until somebody earns my trust, well, they're not ever going to completely earn your trust. There's always going to be room for questions and doubts. But even while trust must be given, at the same time, you should have a solid basis for trust and not trust foolishly. We're not to do that. You really need to be wise in those you trust. Proverbs 14:15 says, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. So you don't just dive in and trust whoever and whatever comes along. E- even in church life, there's a range of maturity. I mean, we're all, when we come to Christ, we're all at different points along the way. So there's a range of trustworthiness. There's a range of maturity. And um, so we need to be wise in the way we go about this. We We try to... Our goal here in CIV is to raise up leadership who are, who are trustworthy. They're proven. They're tested. And, and that's, how you, that's how you decide who to follow. You test them. You test the people, those who pass the test. We trust those who pass the test. If you never test anybody, if you just decide, I'm just not going to trust anybody. I'm living life on my own. Forget it. I'm going to do this all by myself. Every time you decide not to choose to trust, you hold back. It's like coating yourself with Teflon. Is Teflon still something that's on? You you ever hear about Teflon? Because I'm getting old. Sometimes I say things, people are like, what is he talking about? Okay, Teflon, you know, it's a coating that makes pans uh, slippery. (laughs) Stuff just slides off of them. Well, that's what you're doing. When you decide not to trust, you're just coating yourself with Teflon. You may be in the group, but you're protected. Nobody can really get close to you because you you won't trust them. At the same time, 
You only trust those who have passed the test. It's a very, very important matter. The way you test them is to do a couple things. First of all, check out their concerns. What is it that they're concerned about? One way I would test a leader is how do they, the decisions they make, are they constantly for their own benefit or do they benefit the goals of the group and the people who are involved? Their leadership and the direction it's going, is it a blessing? Does it make life good for people? Does, does it really help what's going on? Look at Romans 14, 17 through 18. It says, for the kingdom of God, it's describing what it's like to be in God's group of people, God's kingdom. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, what's right before God. You can trust this. A person who does righteous, you can trust them. Because they're entering a situation and they're not thinking, hey, I'm going to try to get what I can out of this or I'm going to, I'm going to try to use this group to get my way. They're thinking, what is right? What does God want out of this? And what is right before him? You can trust that person because God is good. We sang a song about that earlier. God is good and he's wanting to take groups in the right direction that will be a blessing to all. So righteousness, peace. These people aren't agitating and stirring things up for no reason. And joy in the Holy Spirit. This characterizes people and groups that you can trust. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Men think, people think, this is great. And God does too. And then you check their reputation. Romans 16.10, greet Apelles. Tested and approved in Christ, greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. This was a pattern in the New Testament to test people. Not just trust them, but to test them. Trust is built a little at a time. To build trust, I would suggest that you take a small risk with a person and see what happens. See what the person does. If you're learning to trust, take a very small risk and see what people do. I suggest that with CIV. As you're checking us out, take a small risk. It's gonna, if you're going to get into the group, if you're going to be a part of the team eventually, you've got to risk. You've got to take the risk. And so I'd suggest take a small one. Check us out. Put us to the test. See what happens. Third characteristic is thinking the best. Titus 3, 1 through 2 says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. To slander no one. That means to speak evil against. Slander starts in your head. That's where it begins. <clears throat> and so it's very, very important if we're going to be cohesive, if we're going to be peaceable and considerate and show true humility toward all men, that we refuse to speak evil against people in our head. What we tend to do, we're in a group of people, decisions are made, things go on, people do things, and they say things, and we begin to read between the lines. We, we read between their actions. And we're writing this novel that is complete fiction. And as we're writing that novel... God is very displeased because he wants us to choose to think the best until proven wrong. So we need to think the best. We don't need to be gullible. 
But we need to choose to think the best about others on the team until we're proven wrong. When there's a problem, when somebody messes up, decide right now to think the best until you're proven wrong about that person. The problem is usually miscommunication or a lack of communication. Sometimes there's a real mess up. They just spun off. They got selfish. Then we clear it up. We forgive. We get it straightened out. But every time we read between the lines, you're adding a block to the wall that separates you from the group. You're isolating yourself. Final characteristic is to help one another. Galatians 6, 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Later on, this passage says something interesting. It says that every one of us is to carry our own loads. We're we're to carry our own backpack through life. We've got to bear our own load. But there is a time when a person's load's so heavy that we need to pitch in and help them. And when you see that, you have opportunity to do that. You step in. You help out. You, You help the person bear their load. If we see a chance to help out, we have the time and we hold back. Laying another block on the wall. It's getting bigger and bigger. Separations beginning to occur. This is true personally. We're to help out. As, as the people on the team are struggling, going through life, we help them, serve them. They hit a spot where just financially they're, they're struggling and maybe some things go on and we've got the money to help. We help. We take out our wallet. We help them out. Maybe, maybe there's some, some work that they need to do around the house that just got to get done. It's just really tough. You, you pitch in and you help them. As situations come up, you take the time to serve. <clears throat> this is also important if you're on a team and you're here in church life. It's also important to play your role on that team, to figure out what it is and to play your role. If, if you've come to Christ, God has gifted you. He's wired you together with some talents and abilities, some gifting. After you come to Christ, he gives you what Scripture calls spiritual gifts. And we're to use those as a part of the team. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. It takes everyone on the team to make things happen. Another scripture passage in Ephesians 4 says, When each part's doing its part in the body of Christ, growth happens. Growth occurs. Things are good. Life moves forward. Very, very important. Here's some next steps as we're wrapping up this morning that you might want to think through. As God's spoken to you this morning, you may want to check one of these and put it in the offering when it comes by in a little bit. And based on what the Lord said to you, maybe this next step that you want to take is to begin to pray regularly for CIV, to pray this week and to begin to pray for the unity of CIV as you, as you think about it or even write it into your prayer plans. Another step could be, I will do my part to build loyalty and trust in my relationships. In other words, I'm not going to sow discord and I'm going to take some little risks to build these things in my relationships. Uh, another step could be, I'm, I'm going to commit to think the best of others until I'm proven wrong. 
I'm just not going to read between the lines anymore. I'm just not going to write that fiction novel that I've been writing in my head. And then finally, I will be a team player by helping out others in need and playing my role. Those are some steps that you could take. Let's go to the Lord and ask him for help in doing that. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in Scripture that gives so much instruction. I thank you for the group that you've built here that you've brought together for your purpose. And I pray that we'd more and more be able to set aside our own selfish desires and wants and give ourselves to you and your purpose and experience the real joy that comes in seeing you work through us. God, I ask for your help as we set out to take some steps. If, if those, those who have, I pray that you give us the power to, to make that happen in our lives, Lord. Give us the help we need to do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Hi, good morning. I'm uh, Jack Kaler, a member here at CIV. I'm an IT manager for a, a publishing company um, in California here with a penny saver. You get that on a weekly basis. Um, I've been a member here at CIV for I think about 12 years now. Um, I've been a Christian for about 15. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, but I didn't really make Jesus the boss of my life until um, about my late 20s. Um, I've served on a, on a number of different capacities here at Church in the Valley. One of those has been the First Impressions team. Those are the folks that, uh, that greet you on the way in the door. And um, in the hallway, they help out to help people get their kids to the correct class. And then um, they give you the program when you walk in the door. And, of course, they take offering. Um, over the years, I've probably been on that team for about five years. I was a member at first. And then... I was made a, what's called a team captain. Um, that's somebody who kind of is in a supervisor role on Sundays. And then at one point, uh, they asked me to be the leader of the team. And so I led the team for a better part of a year. At the very end of that, when it was time for me to step down from being, being team leader, there was still a need on the team for people to help out. So I became a member on that team. At that point, when I became, when I went from team leader to team member, my attitude kind of followed that path as well. So one of the things that we're asked to do on the First Impressions team is to be at the front door and to greet uh, to members, greet members, greet guests uh, when they walk in the door, and we stay out there uh, until the message starts. So when I step down from being a, a team leader to a member, my attitude, like I said, went with it, and... I was starting to do things like leave my post early at the front there. And if you notice, there's always two of us. So not only was I leaving early, I was dragging somebody else with me because they thought, oh, well, Jack used to be a leader. We'll just follow him. He's doing the right thing. Other things I would do, I, would, I started to show up late. Um, and I know when I was the leader of First Impressions, I tried to instill it in folks that, you know what, we need to be here on time because when you're not here on time, you're basically telling everybody else that they're not as important as you because you can show up later. So one day when I was leaving early at the front there, I was walking down the hall and I saw another team member. And the look on their face like, hey, what are you doing? 
you're punching out early here. What's going on? And it convicted me. And right there I thought to myself, hey, wait a minute. What's going on here? And there was a verse that uh, immediately came to mind. It's Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And the verse reads, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So here's Christ. He is the God-man becoming a servant. So I just went from being a team leader to being a team member, and I couldn't do it. So I really took that to heart. And as you know, your actions come right from your heart because that's where your attitudes are. Your attitudes are instilled in your heart. And so um, I had to change that. And so I uh, prayed to God and asked him for forgiveness, first of all. But then I, I dedicated my remaining time on a team to do the best that I, very, the best that I could. So I showed up on time. Um, I stayed out there in front for as long as it took until, until the message started. Even though I was tired at times, I wanted to sit down and nobody else was coming and I was waiting. But that's what we were there for. And not only did that help me, of course, but it helped those in the team that were, I'm sure, watching me. Because they knew I was a leader before, and now I'm a member, and, and they're watching me. They're thinking, what, what's he going to do now? Is he still going to be you know, on top of everything like he was? Or... And um, that, helped, that helped bring that unity back to the group, I think. Because my actions started to disintegrate that unity. And so God showed me through his word how to do the right thing. And I did the right thing. And in the end, I thanked God for a, uh, for a tough lesson that he taught me.